The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hello and welcome to episode 91 of... Yeah, it's that bad. This is the show that usually looks at supposedly bad movies and asks the question, is it really that bad? But tonight, we're going to take a look at a supposedly good movie with 2001's Donnie Darko. Directed by Richard Kelly. Starring Jake Gyllenhaal, Jenna Malone, Drew Barrymore, Mary McDonald, Catherine Ross, Patrick Swayze, and Noah Wiley. Donnie Darko is a 2001 American science fiction psychological thriller film. It currently holds an 85% on Rotten Tomatoes. How about a plot synopsis? Troubled adolescent Donnie Darko receives a disturbing vision that the world will end in 28 days. With the help of various characters, including a six-foot rabbit called Frank, he slowly discovers the mysterious physical and metaphysical laws that govern his life and that will lead up to the destruction of the universe. Okay, Donnie Darko. Tonight's episode was sponsored by Meg and Pat. They write in and say, Hi guys, I love the show. Please review Donnie Darko. It's one of my all-time favorite movies and my mom is also a fan. This donation is from both of us. Keep up the great work, Meg and Pat. Okay, Donnie Darko, this is one of those dubiously fresh movies. People are very divided on this. Very polarizing movie. Very uh, controversial. I, I mean, I have a lot of, I don't want to say friends, but acquaintances, it's probably a better word, of, of mine actually hate this movie. They think it's pretentious, they don't get what's good about it, and they think it's confusing, and any movie that requires that much research to enjoy it, they think is ridiculous. Okay. Yeah, it's definitely one of those movies that people either love or hate. Okay, so we're going to see if the critics are right this time around. So what's your issue with this thing? I saw this in college, and I'd watched it countless times in college, but I haven't really seen it since then. It's probably been a good 10 years, maybe, probably since I've seen this. This is a college movie, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I definitely did see this movie when I was in college, but I also took a course on this movie in college where we broke down... No, I didn't take it. <laughs> 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 the Urban Legend class? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I sat down for my Donnie Darko thesis of the right on it. I really like this movie, and I've seen it probably close to 10 times. I really enjoyed it, so we'll see if I liked it again this time around. I saw it in college, and I've seen it a bunch of times since. I'm on the fence whether or not this is a good movie at all. I own it, so there's that. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Okay, let's do what we always do at the top of the show. We'll discuss the actors one by one, and we'll see how you thought they did. First up, young nubile, Jake Gyllenhaal. I thought he did pretty well. This is one of his first appearances as a, you know, powerhouse. I don't want to say powerhouse, but... Power hungry. Yeah, power hungry maniac, madman. <laughs> no, he's... This, this is one of his first appearances making his way into mainstream Hollywood, I think. And uh, I thought he did pretty well. Yeah, I thought he did a really good job. He really walked the line between being a psycho, but being likable, which I think is pretty hard to do. But he did it. Like, I was rooting for him, despite the fact that if I knew him in real life, I'd be scared of this person. He's pretty good in this movie. The one thing, though, he's got a lot of wacky facial expressions in this. Don't you think? He's having psychotic hallucinations. So no excuse. I'm going to give him a bye. No excuse. <laughs> he gets a bye week. Oh, the Giants. All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. G-Man. He's getting a bye week. Okay, next up, the triumphant return of Jenna Malone. You may recall, Martin, that we went toe-to-toe with Ms. Malone back in Sucker Punch, a movie which I wish I could forget. How old is she in this movie? Twelve. Eleven. <laughs> ten. I don't know. Well, I felt like Patrick Swayze, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> 
sleep pretty good. <laughs> no, no, she did okay. From her story in this movie, I think that she'd be a little more damaged than uh, than she is in this school. A little more traumatized after her mom was stabbed in the chest forty times, and she's gonna date Donnie and all this ridiculous stuff. She's all right. She seemed disconnected, but I guess that's understandable considering what her character is. I thought she was pretty flat. Her character, I thought she was good, but almost everybody in this town is blah. Is that the point? Yeah. On purpose, they're supposed to be that way. Well, speaking of which, next up, Drew Barrymore. She was super blah. Yeah. Right? She was really toning it down. Well, really. She, she drove straight from Brooklyn to West Virginia to teach her class, I think. Yeah, right? with those glasses she was wearing? <laughs> was gla- yeah, what was going on there? <laughs> also, that, like, I don't care attitude, like, uh, I thought she was good, though. Meh. It's a, a very subtle performance from her, I guess. She's normally a more over-the-top character. Well, next up, the real star of this movie, Noah Wiley. Oh, thank God. Kevin, remember The Librarian? <laughs> it's your favorite movie of all time. I wish there was some place where I could have placed a bet that you'd bring up The Librarian, because I would have put my life savings <laughs> yes! on that bet. Yes! <laughs> Remember the librarian? Yeah, I do. I've never seen this. You've never seen it either. <laughs> Yet it's this running joke with us that Noah Wiley's the librarian, and it doesn't even mean anything. He's the librarian, man. He, uh, he was pretty good. I didn't mind him. He was okay. Right? He had kind of a small role in this movie. Yeah, king was, of all actors, Noah Wiley. Likeable guy. You know what I'm saying? No, I don't. He's amazing. <laughs> it's a king of all actors. <laughs> He's the greatest actor of all. <gasps> to walk this er- or any earth in the multiverse. <laughs> oh, all right. <laughs> in this universe or the tangent universe. <laughs> exactly. Okay, next up, Patrick Swayze. I liked his performance in this. It was over the top, but I, I mean, it was comic relief for sure, but I was being I was being relieved all over the place. Yeah. Sweet relief. Yeah, he relieved me for sure. He was good. Yeah? Yeah, I liked him. I like Swayze. He's good. I'm a fan. I wanted him to start quoting Roadhouse. Oh, in the middle of this movie? Yeah, just in the middle of the movie. Just Not great. enough dirty dancing in this movie, I think. Yeah, no, there definitely wasn't. That's a... Serious criticism, right? Not enough bank robbing either. Good point. I thought Swayze was going to start dancing with Sparkle Rhythm or whatever. Okay, next up, Mary McDonald. She played Donnie Darko's mom. She is a woman of honor and dignity. Gorgeous. Full of grace. I think she's gorgeous. That's the word I'm going to use for her. Like, classy. That's a woman. A lady. Kevin, anything to That's say? That's a woman. It's a lady. <laughs> she was good. I liked her. Yeah. I really liked her. Biblically. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Big fan of her ever since the days of Battlestar Galactica. Here we go. Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, got to bring it up. At any opportunity I get. When you get at the Battlestar Galactica spinoff podcast. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure there aren't any of those. Okay, and finally, Catherine Ross. She was the shrill mom. I feel like I've seen her in many movies. Four million movies. And she always does the same thing. Like This exact role. Always this like, angry, shrill woman. But she plays it so well. Uh-huh. It, it's as if like if you were going to write a movie and you're like, I want a shrill, angry, bitchy woman, you'd be thinking of her, right? That's like her. She's the archetype for it. Yeah, for sure. I think she's great. Yeah, she she was her Really acting, good character actor. Her, her acting was phenomenal. Okay, so let's... No Seth Rogen? Oh, yeah, yeah. The triumphant oh, yeah, debut of Seth Rogen. How do you think he did with his one or two lines? Yeah, I, I never realized he was in this before this viewing. Yeah? Did you know? It's Yeah, I did. It's his first movie. Yeah, I didn't realize that. I was shocked to see him. I liked his lines. Let's get out of here. Car's coming. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> 
Okay, let's get into the history of Donnie Darko. Donnie Darko was filmed in 28 days on a budget of $4.5 million. It almost went straight to home video release, but was publicly released by Drew Barrymore's production company, Flower Films. Richard Kelly said that the movie had a very difficult time finding a U.S. distributor, since the film embodied myriad genres and tones. Distributors were confused by the movie's message and how to market it. Additionally, Kelly also claims that Darko was very close to premiering on the Stars Network until New Market Films picked up the film for theatrical distribution. Well out of his teens, Vince Vaughn reportedly turned down the part of Donnie due to his age. Mark Wahlberg was interested in the part, but apparently was only willing to play the part with the lisp. Jason Schwartzman was also strongly considered for Donnie, but dropped out due to scheduling conflicts. Tim Robbins was the first choice for the role of Eddie Darko. Wait, why why would he only play the role with a lisp? You saw the perfect storm, right? That's all I need to say. <laughs> You're right. That answered all my questions. Thanks. When casting the role of Donnie's sister, it came to Richard Kelly's attention that Maggie Gyllenhaal, who had few film credits at the time, would be available for the shoot. The agent who proposed her casting reminded Kelly of her scene in Cecil B. Demented, where she drank urine. Though Kelly was slightly hesitant towards the idea, he did like the way she drank urine. <laughs> Does that, is that in there? Yes. <laughs> she made that up. No. And and he knew that he wouldn't have to work hard at creating a sibling rivalry between her and her brother Star. Is this is, is it like he really he really liked the way she drank urine? Yeah, it was really cool. <laughs> Drink that hot piss. Hey, man, we're no stranger to piss in this podcast. No, we're not. We're drinking it. But... <laughs> hey, we're drinking it right now as we yeah, speak. Yeah, that's, that's why our voices have the, that buttery velvet tone. It's all the urine. <laughs> the director's cut of the film was released on May 29th, 2004 in Seattle, Washington at the Seattle International Film Festival and later in New York City and Los Angeles on July 23rd, 2004. I remember when that happened. This cut includes 20 minutes of extra footage, an altered soundtrack, and visual effects from the fictional book, The Philosophy of Time Travel. A 2009 sequel, S. Darko, centers on Sam, Donnie's younger sister. Sam begins to have strange dreams that hint at a major catastrophe. Donnie Darko creator Richard Kelly has stated that he has no involvement in this sequel, and he does not own the rights to the original. Chase and producer Adam Field are the only creative links between it and the original film. The sequel received extremely negative reviews. Marcus Stern, associate director of the American Repertory Theater, directed a stage adaptation of Donnie Darko at the Zero Arrow Theater in Massachusetts in the fall of 2007. It ran from October 27th until November 18, 2007, with opening night fittingly scheduled near Halloween. Okay, this movie cost $4.5 million to make. How much do you think it made worldwide? Well, this was a failure, right? Yeah, big time. $10 million. This, you're, you're saying just in theaters? Yeah. Like 500000 That's a pretty good guess. $4 million. I have different info that said 500000 I only trust Wikipedia because there's only truth on Wikipedia. <laughs> it's, it's, you can't just make stuff up on there. The intro to this movie is really well shot. Him standing up, it shows the panorama of, I, I guess it's the Blue Mountains in Virginia, and just shows the back of Jake Gyllenhaal. He turns the camera, smiles, and uh, walks away and just gives you the title screen. And then it cuts to Killing Moon by Echo and the Bunny Man as he's riding his bike down this like cannonball run of a mountain trail. Yeah, when you see this, it's interesting, right? Because you see this kid, he's got this beautiful scenery in front of him. He's smiling. He's riding his bike down the mountain. Think, man, this is a happy-go-lucky kid. Yeah. The, whole, the world's his oyster, right? 
there there is sinister things afoot <laughs> in this town. What do you guys think of this guy as a director? As, he's competent. I think he, in a lot of his movies, he bites off a little more than he can chew. <laughs> a little? I think in his movies, he bites off way, way more go. than there, he can there chew. You go. There you go. Yeah, I think his writing gets him in trouble before his directing does. Oh, that's a fact. He's going for it. I can say that. Yeah, I respect him for that. Like, he, he's doing, doing these weird, interesting things that, that's different. I like that a lot, but I don't necessarily like <laughs> what he's doing. Like, in, when you get to the nitty-gritty of what's going on, I A for effort. Y- there you go. That's how I feel. You know what, Especially though? about the box. I like to. I would like to see what he's doing 15 years from now. You think he's still going to be doing stuff like this? I think a lot of the stuff he's doing now is he's going to become more competent at telling a story. And some of this interesting stuff that's going on, I think he'll be a lot better at it, at, at portraying an idea and a story to a viewer. I, I don't know. I think he's going to he's going to I'd see whatever this guy makes. Like, I, I'd be willing yeah. to watch it. It's an experience that you don't get from many other Hollywood people. I'll say right? this. Although some of his movies leave me feeling awkward, disturbed, the stuff he's doing interests me. It de- I'm definitely not bored. I, I definitely feel something. So I would watch his movies. I really do like what he is trying to do. So eventually we see Donnie, he's in his bed and all of a sudden he hears this voice that's calling to him and telling him to come out of the house. Yeah, a little voice keeps calling him. A little voice is calling me? Yeah, yeah. He was banging on a trash can. He went outside. I saw him drumming on a street light. A little voice kept calling him. Call- yeah, on his way to the golf course, he was strumming on a street light. So he made... <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> Go ahead. So Donnie makes his way to the, the neighborhood golf course, I guess. <laughs> So one is in the 1%. Their neighborhood has golf courses. And there is a guy in a big gray bunny suit with like a, it looks like the, the mask is made out of like metal, right? It is. So this this being tells Donnie that the world is going to end in 28 days, 6 hours, 42 minutes, and 12 seconds. At this point, the first time I saw this movie, I was like, okay, Donnie is insane. He's schizophrenic or he's hallucinating or something's happening. Really? I didn't yeah. think that either. No? I didn't think that. I took everything for, as face value in this movie. Like, everything that happened happened. Yeah, I assumed that was some other being. Some some being that, you know, kind of like a uh, movie Harvey with Jimmy Stewart. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> 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 okay, so... Donnie Darko is having dinner with his family, and th- this is when you get the uh, the dynamic between Donnie Darko and Daddy Darko, Daddy Darko, and Mommy, Mommy Darko, and S. Yes, Darko. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this whole time we were watching this movie, we were like, it's just a setup. <laughs> we like, it's S. Darko. <laughs> Look, it's S. Darko. The whole time we kept joking. We gotta see that movie. <laughs> and what S. Darko? Yeah, I have no desire Darko. to see that movie. <laughs> what did you think of the dynamic between Jake Gyllenhaal and Maggie Gyllenhaal in this movie, especially at the dinner table? Yeah. It it's good. almost as if they were real brothers and sister. Shocking. How do they do that? Yeah, it's that amazing. Good. What a stretch. <laughs> you know, I thought that at this stage of Maggie Gyllenhaal's life, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty good looking. You have an opinion on this issue? Nah, not really. Yeah, because Joel, this, this is an issue of contention between me and Joel. Oh, yeah? Yeah, we got into a fist fight while we were watching this movie. Fisticuffs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah we yeah. squared off. Yeah. It was only the presence of S. Darko that calmed us down. <laughs> <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, she turned to us. In the middle of the movie. <laughs> 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 Whew. 
I was in the, uh, I thought Maggie Gyllenhaal was attractive here, but not in The Dark Knight. Uh, what? On the inverse? <laughs> so we learn that Donnie's on medication, that he's seeing a psychiatrist. Yeah, that's all in this one scene. He just like blurts it all out. He I, does. I thought it was kind of clumsy, actually, the way this is presented. Why don't you take these pills and then you can go to the therapist and then you could talk about your problems. <laughs> yeah, he's full of teenage angst. Yeah, me he's, too. He I smells, had that too. He smells like teen spirit. Yeah. What were your angst levels at when you were in high school? I went through the roof. Yeah, I saw <laughs> Stuff like that happened all the time in my parents' house. It was a free-for-all. <laughs> it was like, I'm not doing any of this work. Screw you. Ugh. Run away. My angst levels were at a one out of five. You weren't an angsty teen? No. You didn't live. I, I dressed up like the goth girl from Urban Legends. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that. <laughs> but you were experimenting with gender bending real early. That was my first foray into gender bending experimentation. I spent all my time at Hot Topic. At yeah. Ball. You became Martina. <laughs> so we then get this, in my opinion, really well put together and shot slow motion, super 80s high school montage. Montage. It goes in slow motion, then in fast motion, then slow motion, then in fast motion. They did that throughout this whole movie. What'd you think of that? Not a fan. I liked it. This is precursor to 300, Joel. I was just thinking about it. Like, this is some Zack Snyder stuff right here. Zack Snyder did some Richard Kelly stuff. This definitely came out before 300. No, no, no. Zack Snyder pre dates everything. Oh, he was... He's, he's the first movie maker, right? He was the first man. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. We all stem <laughs> we from all Zack stem Snyder's Snyder. loins. Yeah. <laughs> I liked it because it was constantly hammering home time being manipulated. I liked it. That's some deep thoughts there. Take that, Joel. Yeah. In my face. <laughs> well, after Donnie meets Frank at the golf course, something peculiar happens. His house gets attacked by... <laughs> <laughs> His house is attacked? <laughs> by uh, an airplane. An airplane flying overhead drops one of its engines, the jet engine, and it falls right on his house, completely destroying Donnie's room. Had he been in the house, he would have exploded with the impact of 10 trillion suns. The FAA is stunned. They're befuddled. They're like, what's going on here? Are they, char are, are they charmingly befuddled? They're, 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 they're laughing Hugh, and yeah, giggling. Yeah, they're Hugh Grant level. <laughs> I, just, I just don't know. Yeah, they're freaking out. They're talking to Mr. and Mrs. Darko. They pull out all these papers, and the Darko family just is like signing them away. I mean, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. a lawyer look at this stuff. I was bothered by that as well. I was like, excuse me, that is outrageous. Okay, so this is where we get our next experience with uh, Frank, the six foot tall bunny. Donnie takes his medication. He's in front of the mirror, and he's tr Frank tells him to go vandalize the school, I guess. Yeah. Goes in. He has a, before he shows up, he has this dream for like three seconds they show this dream this really like hyper stylized yeah, what is that I don't know. I thought it looked pretty cool, though. It was like the hallways of the high school and then like the ocean and the, and the open sky above. Right. With the sunlight. Mm -hmm. I thought it looked pretty cool. It reminded me a lot of the imagery in the box. Hmm. Yeah. Very similar. It was cool, but it felt really out of place in this movie. It did, right? Yeah. It was like this this classroom in a void. Mm -hmm. Okay, so Donnie hits the water main with a axe. From the way the janitor or custodian is explaining it, it seems like he cut it straight in half. Mm -hmm. That was a very thick, hard... <laughs> 
Brown <laughs> pipe. Mm. How did he do that with just an axe? He's, he he's, has he's, superhuman he's, strength. He's, he's but a boy. No, he has superhuman strength. Why does he have superhuman strength, Kevin? That's yeah. part of it. At what point in the movie did they say he had superhuman strength? Yeah. It's, he, in, it's in the philosophy of time travel. <laughs> right, 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 right. When, when was every, each person given the a copy of that book? And to said, read. Oh, you, read got, you guys didn't bring your copy? You, <laughs> you guys weren't reading your copy as you were watching the movie? Read this before you watch this movie or else... You won't get it. You just won't get it. I went, get... Before I watched, I went straight to the special features. And read the I philosophy. I pulled up Philosophy of Time Travel and I read the book. That's important to note because there are a lot of things that happen in this movie that, about the characters that make literally no sense There is no all. way anyone could possibly discern what is happening in this movie unless you go out of your way to read the supplemental material about it. Yep. The philosophy of time travel is a must to really understand what these characters are doing and what their motivations are and then how Donnie is even actually doing a lot of this stuff because it goes beyond human ability. I mean, it's a really important aspect of this movie to debate, right? Is it okay to do that sort of stuff into a movie? It's one thing to have like a mystery into what's going on, but to have it so it's so completely obtuse and you have no clue what is even happening, let alone why it's happening. Like he, I mean, that's a problem, right? Well, supposedly the director's cut, I've never seen it. Have you guys seen the director's yeah, cut? I've, I, I've supposedly that has pages of the book in it. It does. It's interesting to do something like that with a movie. Is it something that most people are going to enjoy? No. When when someone says, I don't like that movie because it's forcing me to do all this extra material, it means that you can't enjoy the movie for what the movie actually is because they're purposely holding pieces that you need to link the story together from the viewer. Well, the first time I saw this, I obviously didn't read the book beforehand. Not that it's a book. It's like a pamphlet. But I didn't read it beforehand. I had no idea what happened and I still enjoyed the movie. So I think the movie can be enjoyed without it. But I think there's another level that you can gain You can gain by reading it. Yeah. I disliked the movie when I first saw it for that very reason. I was like, what the hell? What is going on here? And then I had to go and read Wikipedia to see what was going on. I remember distinctly back then thinking like, this sucks. Like I have to sit here and do like homework to get it. Like screw that. The first time I saw it, I enjoyed it. I extrapolated enough of what was going on from the movie itself to think that it was interesting and cool. And it was entertaining. It held my attention throughout the entire movie. I guess ultimately it doesn't even matter because all this supernatural stuff is irrelevant. 10% of the movie, mm-hmm. really. The, the the only thing that really matters as far as his abilities are concerned is him removing the jet engine from the plane. Because that's what starts this whole tangent universe BS. Well, you know, this won't be the last time Richard Kelly pulls a stunt like this. Martin, you read the first three issues of the Southland Tales graphic novel before you saw the movie, right? Absolutely not. And then you read the last three issues of the graphic novel after, after the, the movie to understand what happened. You know, I was... That's fur- not a joke. <laughs> I, I was furious with that movie. I was so angry. It was like he did it to spite me. I don't know. I believe that a movie should be a self-contained whole and you judge the movie based on what's in it. You don't go and watch the deleted scenes and say, oh, that answers all the questions. Well, that deleted scene isn't in the movie, so it doesn't count. Mm-hmm. I think that the movie works well on its own. It does. I think that you don't have to... See, like, a big part of the movie for me is accepting that I don't have to know everything about all these people for the movie to work. Yeah, you know, I can agree with you on that level. Like, now in my... Now that I'm older, I do agree with you on on that front. Like, I don't mind not knowing. But as a young buck, it really annoyed me. You know, in a lot of of instances, over over time, I've, I've realized that the less I know about certain aspects of the characters in the movie, the better it is. Because, like, a lot of times when there's a reveal about a certain character, it kind of ruins it. It's better that there's possibilities open for me. Oh, you mean, like, who committed the murders in urban legend? That's ex- 
exactly what I was talking about, Joel. I was just talking... <laughs> What about the fact that this movie on its own is open to extreme levels of interpretation? Oh, yeah. You could make this movie whatever you want it to be. Okay. Or there's an answer. You can seek it out and get it and have an answer and see what the filmmaker wanted you to think. Or you can go your own path and think whatever you want. That's a good point. Okay, so to cut back to Donnie vandalizing the school, he cuts this water main and then he spray paints on the ground in front of the school's mascot statue. They made me do it and buries an axe into a solid bronze statue. For me, the first time I saw this, I I remember distinctly thinking to myself, how on earth could a 16-year-old boy bury an axe into a solid bronze? Like, bronze is really hard. Yeah. Well, don't forget, like, the way the axe is on the statue, it looks like he was... air! It looks like he was standing in front of the statue, jumped up into the air, then dove into it, because you couldn't get the axe at that angle by standing on on the thing's shoulders. Absolutely not. He would have had to have jumped 10 feet in the air. If not more and then buried it into this thing's head and then landed. I'm glad we didn't see it. Are you sure? Yeah. You don't want to see him jump in the air like NBA Jam? No, I do think, a flip. I think. Okay, so Donnie Darko has to go visit a therapist because he's a troubled teen. He's got a lot of angst. He's got a lot of problems. Smells like Teen Smells like Teen Spirit was written about Donnie Darko. Yeah. He's with this lady who I think looks like Murphy Brown and should have been Murphy Brown. You know what I'm talking about, Kevin? Yeah, I know. Candace Bergen. Yeah, I know. Remember her? Uh-huh. Well, anyway, they, they... She had a painter that lived with her. <laughs> <laughs> She, she did. <laughs> All right, so he's, he's hanging out with this therapist. She puts him under hypnosis, and they start talking about all this stuff. And then Donnie Darko, under the mind powers of this therapist, starts doing a quick masturbation session in front of all of us. What do you think of this, Kevin? Yeah, she keeps asking him questions about school and stuff, and all he can talk about is how all he thinks about is wanting to have sex. So he slowly unbuttons his jeans, slides his hands down his pants. Yeah, he whips it out. Luckily, Full she, Monty. Luckily she she claps her hands before things get out of hand. You know. <laughs> or in hand. Oh. oh all right. <laughs> you know, this therapist asks a lot of ridiculous questions to Donnie. One of them, in fact, the most ridiculous question to me was, Donnie, why are you thinking about having sex all the time? Having sex all the time. Because <laughs> I'm a 16 year old kid in high school. What do you think? <laughs> I mean, I mean that, would, that would be a big issue if he wasn't, right? Yeah, that's a warning sign. <laughs> I don't think about sex ever, period. It's like, oh, what's uh, going on here? Yeah, there's a problem if that's the case. So after this masturbation therapy session, (laughs) (laughs) masturbation therapy, we are made privy to Frank. Yeah, we get a pretty cool scene with him. And there's this weird reality field that looks like the consistency of like a bubble that you would blow out of like a a little bubble wand. Mm -hmm. And he just, he's bashing against it with his hand and him and Frank have like a heart to heart moment where they put their hands together. Yeah. Frank has like a force field around him. How, why is he? And what is that? Do we know? I, it's, I didn't read anything about it in the supplemental material. It's it. I, it might be him showing that showing Donnie that he can do anything in the confines of this universe. He comes right out and says it. I can do anything because mm. Donnie himself is like, "How are you doing this?" Or can, is Donnie unable to to do anything to Frank? Does Frank exist outside of the world? No, Frank is what's in the in the book called he's uh, the manipulator.
simulated dad. Yeah. There you go. Oh, yeah. So his <laughs> oh, yeah. soul, okay. the purpose is to be a guide for Donnie to complete whatever actions he needs to do sequentially to ensure that this, the artifact that the jet engine makes its way from the, the plane to him. Who, he is the receiver. You're, you should save that for the end because this is not, this, yeah. is, this doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah. That rant, <laughs> your rant right there. <laughs> my wild, I, my like, wild I, like, I know what you're talking about and I'm listening to it and I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> I was with you. So Roberta Sparrow just so happens to be this old, 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 old woman. Grandma Death. That lives in their town. She's the angel of death's grandma. She's just this super old lady that lives like up on the mountain. And we see a few times during the movie that she's constantly checking her mail for something. She's constantly going into her mailbox. This is yep. before email. So Snail mail? Sna- yeah, this is still snail mail. Yeah, she just goes back and forth on the road. Opening the mailbox, checking out what's inside, taking a sneak peek. Mm-hmm. There's one scene where Donnie and his, his cohorts, they're, they're shooting their BB guns. They're watching Roberta Sparrow go back and forth in the street, checking her mail. And we get a great, great discussion on the Smurfs. <laughs> it's really stupid, right? They're joking around about the Smurfs. But Donnie said, what's the point of living? You don't have a dick. And truer words have never been spoken. My wife turned to me and was like, <laughs> I was like, that's a really deep statement. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I want you to think about that. Like, what is his, what he's saying on some level is there's no point of living without reproducing. Like, that's the point of life is to create more life, right? That's why we're here. It's, it's, I mean, our, our our bodies essentially are just shells that are programmed to get us into a situation for reproduction. And I think that that's a deeper statement than it appears. Or maybe I'm reading too much into this, but... I think that ultimately plays into Donnie's decisions. He feels like he's always going to be alone, right? What's the point of living if you're just going to die alone anyway? Exactly. I think that has. I think that, I think that matters. So your wife didn't appreciate the dick comment? Actually, when I explained that, I was like, I think that's deeper. And I, I went into my little tirade there. Yeah. She's like, oh, okay. All right. All right. Oh, she was offended because she doesn't have a dick. So what's the point of her living? Right? She, I think Penis so. envy. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, oh man, I wish I had a penis. (laughs) You made me wish I had a dick. How much more exciting would you be if that was the case? (laughs) Possibilities are open up there. (laughs) You're a regular Dr. Frank Furter. She impregnates herself. (laughs) Then we have an S. Darko like weird time twisty. That's how a tangent universe gets created. Yeah. <laughs> so now we're, we're we're going to get exposed to a scene in this movie that takes all this interesting kind of like irreverent humor and turns it into Looney Tune-esque. It was cartoony. It was cartoonish. <laughs> these time tubes, I guess. These Richard Kelly loves water tubes and water bending. He loves water. Yeah, I think Richard Kelly's a water bender. Yeah, he's got to be. Oh yeah, he yeah, definitely yeah. is. Every one of his movies has some kind of weird water thing in it. So these god channels, that's what they're called. That's what Richard Kelly calls them. Okay, come out of our characters' solar plexuses, and they travel out, and the people follow them. Yeah, it's like. This, this water tube comes out of people's chests in this 
movie. Kind of like the abyss. Yeah. The water thing in the mm. abyss. Mm. This like tentacle tube thing comes out of someone's chest and it extends out to like a, a destination somewhere else in the house and people follow it. So it's kind of like their path through time. It shows their, yeah, predestined path. Yeah. As if they don't have a choice. They don't. That's what this movie's setting up mm-hmm. is that everything is predetermined. But in fact, the whole reason for this movie existing at all is that this tangent universe diverted in some way from the, its predetermined path and it needs to be it, it needs to heal itself or it close itself off we can agree right this is just him seeing a person's path before they've taken it right he's, he's able to see into the future essentially that's what it is then why w- was his path why did oh, his yeah, path yeah. come out yeah and then all of a sudden turn into a little little tiny cartoon hand and go wee wee come on bro yeah Bye. yeah donnie has a tube coming out of his own chest and as it's pulling away from him, it turns into a giant hand and it get, does a, a sexy come hither finger motion to him. <laughs> this was dumb, right? Yeah, so this I think is the weakest part of the movie right here. Oh? I think, yeah, I, I, it doesn't make any sense. But if you put it into context, he is a schizophrenic. Yeah, I Perhaps mean, this one thing was a, his own hallucination. Maybe the tube just extended out, but his mind saw it calling him. Kevin, I don't want to have this theory come crashing down on you, oh, but his medication is a placebo. Yeah. His doctor doesn't think he's a schizophrenic, and it's insinuated that he's not mentally insane at all. That he's actually seeing this stuff, and it is actually real. Ouch. Trying to fight for it. Wait, I thought he... I, I knew the placebo, but I thought he was still... No, he's not. He sees the hallucinations are possible outcomes. Mm-hmm. They're not. They're not fantasy. Mm-hmm. He's not creating them. Was it a Final Fantasy Seven? Yeah. Final Fantasy Ten. Like. <laughs> Crystal Chronicles. Crystal Chronicles. There you go. There you go. <laughs> GameCube. I still have my copy. Good for you. I never really played it. Okay, so after this scene, Donnie Darko's psychiatrist talks to his parents, lets them know that she thinks he's a lunatic. It's cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Yeah, I thought this was crazy. She Can they do that? Are they supposed to do that? Are they no, do that? I don't think they're supposed to do that. It violates... Can a psychiatrist just flat out tell the parents everything that the kid has said? I think if he's a minor... He's a minor. If he's a minor, that can happen, but... They, they usually don't do that, I think, because I, I, I it would, they would, it would betray the trust of their patient and keep their therapy from moving forward. I would have thought that they would only do that sort of thing if the kid said, like, something suicidal or dangerous. But everything else is, like, kept within the confines of the office or whatever. Okay, anyway. so Donnie Darko finds Patrick Swayze's wallet on the ground in front of this giant mansion of his. He then goes to a movie with his girlfriend. And while he's there, Frank shows up for a little visit. Yeah, so they're in the movie theater and... My favorite line in this whole movie happens during this movie theater scene when Donnie says to Frank, why are you wearing that stupid looking bunny suit? And Frank comes back and says, why are you wearing that stupid looking man suit? That's great. Well, why do you wear your stupid looking man suit? Donnie is told to go to Patrick Swayze's house and burn it to the ground after he's shown a wormhole, I guess, to another dimension. Yeah, I don't know what happened. Why? <laughs> a wormhole opens up is, on the movie screen. Why is Frank showing him this? Can anybody else see this? You wouldn't know. Oh, there's no one else in the theater. There's no one else in there. Donnie's girlfriend, she's passed out. She's sleeping. Yeah. So that was interesting. So yeah, Donnie, he sneaks out. He throws his, his hoodie over his head so no one can see him. Sure, sure, sure. 
he rolls into Patrick Swayze's house, which has this ridiculous picture, this portrait painting of himself over his couch. I thought I got a kick out of that. That was pretty funny. And uh, Donnie throws some gas all over the place, lights it on fire, sneaks back into the movie theater. No one caught him. Yeah. Girlfriend wakes up and she opens up her gross, smelly, stink-lined mouth because she's been asleep for three hours. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Gives him a big slap of kiss. Yeah. yeah. Donnie's an arsonist now. Not, no. He was an arsonist before. He burns out someone else's house. He was born and raised an arsonist. That's true. That's true. He was born so- and raised <laughs> an arsonist criminal. Yeah. So Martin made a good point when we were watching this last night. Wouldn't his girlfriend smell the gasoline on him? Absolutely. I mean, I think he would reek of gasoline. He's throwing it everywhere. If he had the mind, the peace of mind to... Take a shower before he came back? Well, no, you don't need a shower. All you need is to go to a kitchen sink and use the detergent. That to gets... wash your clothes? Well, he didn't spray it on himself. He'd be on his hands. That's it, right? He, he wasn't dousing himself in gasoline. <laughs> he doused the entire house in gasoline. None of that's getting on him? There's bound to be some splashed back. Come on, man. Gasoline is pungent. Yeah, it, it is. It is. It is. But I've gotten on my hands and, and dish detergent gets it off in two seconds. Cuts right through it. I'm constantly covered in gasoline, so... You sweat it. I sweat out... I sweat gasoline. So, you, you know, I know how pungent it is. Whatever. She doesn't notice. She she gives him a super hot kiss. And, uh-oh. Next day, we find out Patrick Swayze is indeed trouble. Now, Kevin and I have some experience with, in these matters. <laughs> very, very personal experience. Patrick Swayze is being arrested for his kiddie porn dungeon. Yeah, he's got oh, a kiddie porn den in, in his house, and no one would have known about it if it wasn't for this fire. That's right. You know, it's not illegal if it's just personal use, right? <laughs> um, yeah. Yes, it is. <laughs> Kevin, are you sure? <laughs> just make sure you don't send it to the U.S. Postal Service. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. As you can hear, Kevin and I are dancing around this issue. Perhaps someday we'll tell the tale. We have to tell that tale. During an After Dark episode. Needs to be told. But we have experience in these matters. That is not a joke. But wait, that sounds really creepy. I'll leave it at that. Why do you guys have kitty porn? We don't. We don't. We never did. Yeah, but we have experience in these matters. What, was it coming to you? Was it getting shipped to your house? No. <laughs> Whatever. One day. Yeah, one day we'll get to it. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so Donnie Darko goes back to the therapist and he explains to her that he's scared that he's going to die alone and she says some more super messed up, depressing stuff. This is the dumbest thing I ever heard. Joel, what did she say to him? Donnie Darko is hypnotized again and he's like crying like a baby, like a weak, weak, weak baby about, oh, world's going to end and the sky is going to open up and and the, the hypnotist, she's not a therapist, she's just a hypnotist. She goes, she <laughs> goes up to him and she goes she's a magician yeah 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 she's a math magician she goes up and she says if the sky were to open that means there'd be no laws chaos would reign supreme oh, everybody would be alone oh, what are you talking about what is this I didn't get this either it sounded like she was just making stuff up trying to sound smart she's almost like trying to make him feel like she's thinking the same things I guess relate I don't know it didn't make any sense she's trying to terrify him yeah shouldn't she be talking him off that bridge no, she's trying to she's trying to literally get him to jump off that cliff there. She's like she's like the sky will open up. You are alone. Okay, I wish you would step off of that ledge, my friend. Good size with all the lies that you've been living in. <laughs> While this movie is going on, we're inter- intermittently shown a dance troupe called Sparkle Motion, which is S. <laughs> dance troupe. 
<laughs> Headline by S. Darko. We are shown sparkle motion 10 trillion times in this movie. And they have nothing to do with anything. With anything. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm always happy to have S. Darko on screen. <laughs> we saw sparkle motion once. 10 trillion times. They're on the screen for 30 seconds. Well, okay, during that montage in the beginning, we see S. Darko dancing with sparkle motion. <laughs> On the quad. Oh, that's right. Yeah. There you go. Okay. That's, that's, that's one once. of the trillion times. <laughs> that's once, and then there's twice. <laughs> Sparkle motion is moving. They're grooving. Oh yeah. Their Mo- teeth were definitely like chiclets. They're moving through the air with the greatest V's. Mini chiclets. That's true. They're little. Apparently, their performance at their Catholic school's auditorium garnered such widespread worldwide acclaim and pandemonium. The people were just going crazy. That Ed McMahon took notice and decided to invite them on his Star Search show, and so yeah. they got to fly down. Yeah, because of the kitty porn dungeon affair, the one teacher who loved Patrick Swayze, she couldn't go, so she asked Donnie Darko's mom to fill in for her. She didn't want to do it. I, I don't blame her. Like, yeah, I don't blame her either. Yeah, I don't want to be Especially, hanging out with Sparkle Motion. <laughs> not only that, she's got to deal son. with S. Darko all day. You know, she doesn't want to deal with this. <laughs> she wanted a break from S. Darko. <laughs> yeah. Not only that, she's got to deal with, with Donald. Donald Darko is losing he's drawing these weird evil pandemoniac pandemoniac drawings and hanging them up in his room (laughs) their psychiatrist just told her that her son is schizophrenic and probably going to kill their family in his sleep and all this bad stuff's going to happen her husband is out of town on business to pay for the psychiatrist because that can't be cheap (laughs) and (laughs) she decides to go shop around sparkle motion yeah the mom's got to take s darko to new york to or wherever no take her to LA. la or wherever to dance it's the night away. I don't know. Who cares? But meanwhile, back at home, when the cat's away, the mice will play, right? The flying Gyllenhaal <laughs> siblings are going to throw a party. The greatest party of all time. Yeah, well, Maggie Gyllenhaal just got into Harvard. Yeah. Yeah, so they're going to have a party for Halloween to celebrate the sister getting into Harvard, right? And sister's going to get totally laid. Yeah, I hope. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you can only pray, <laughs> right? You can only pray. Well, we cut to the Halloween party and everybody's going around. That one guy was dressed up like Hulk Hogan. He had the best costume I'd ever seen in my life. (laughs) Donnie's two friends are awesome. I wish they could be my friends. They come to my party dressed up as Hulk Hogan. (laughs) Yeah, Donnie's Halloween costume is pretty piss poor. He's got like a, a shirt and pants that have a skeleton printed on it and his hoodie. Now, Martin and I have firsthand experience with this because we knew a guy in college who dressed up like this. And I remember very specifically, he was sitting on a couch alone, just like <laughs> Donnie Darko, sad, drinking by himself. He looked so depressed, like he was going to jump off a bridge. He had the 28 days, 16 hours, 14 minutes or whatever. Yeah, 27 drawn, dresses. Yeah, drawn on his arm. And I ran up to him and I was like, oh my God. I know who you are. I know who you're supposed to be. And his face lit up like a Christmas tree. He was so happy. I talked him off that ledge, my friend. He broke ties with the lies he'd been living in. <laughs> so, yeah, no, it was it, that was an amazing moment in our college career when Joel... Yeah. Donnie Darko runs deep, when, walls deep in my life. That's when Joel figured out how to save a love. Yeah, I saved that guy's life that night. I'm sure you we did. We can both agree. I'm sure you did. Okay. But, but, yeah, but anyway, so during this party, Donnie Darko's girlfriend is Jenna Malone from Sucker Punch, and it's around this time that they decide to seal their union. Mm. Consummate their union? Yeah, they're gonna do the maritals. Donnie takes the, the Jenna... horizontal hula? Yeah, there you go. 
Donnie takes Jenna no Malone. No pants dance. Thank you. Donnie takes Jenna Malone up to his parents' bedroom and they have sex up there. Grody. Kevin, what are your thoughts on that issue? Couldn't he have just gone to his own bedroom? It was done at this point. And he had a big bed. He had a huge bed. Yeah, nice bedroom. What's he got to do in his parents' Maybe room? Maybe he didn't want her to see the girly posters he had up on his wall. Possibly. He's his father now. Whoa. <laughs> Let's uh. Yeah, this, this, this is Oedipus. He's the man of his Oedipus. house. Yeah. Wow. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> the consequences of being caught by your parents doing that must be just beyond insane, right? <laughs> yeah, but they're like not even in the same state. <laughs> no, let's just assume like it happened, right? And, and like your parents walk in and you're doing that on their bed. Can you ever look them in the eye again? <laughs> For the rest of your life, never again, right? I don't know how you come back from that. How, how, how do you come back from that? You just got a divorce. It's like, that's, I have to leave this family. You pack your bags that night, and, and you're, you're never you're, seen again. You're gone. Right? <laughs> this is essentially, I mean, you're you're essentially kicked out of your society. Out yeah, of your, pariah. Yeah. Okay, so he sleeps with uh, Gretchen. Pretty hot. Go downstairs. Looks like Frank was here, and he went to get some beer. Man after my own heart. Oh, yeah, Frank. Frank's alive. He's here. He's a real person. I don't know why he's going to get beer when there's a keg there, but whatever. That makes sense. Because they told you, man, keg beer sucks. They remember? Keg beer is for losers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that the, the container it's in Hulk determines Hogan. it. Hulk Hogan told me that in this movie. Oh, you know what? It must be true then. <laughs> if... While Donnie has a vision, he decides to go to Grandma Death's house. Earlier in the movie, the dad had told them an urban legend that <laughs> Grandma Death was a trillionaire and she had all these gold jewels or whatever in her house and that these kids tried to rob it. So here we are at the 25 year anniversary of the <laughs> whatever so Seth Rogen and the other bully kid they're being super bullies and they're Bobby robbing Bugnick. yeah they're robbing the old grandma death's house right they're, mm-hmm. they're being thieves and Donnie Darko and Jenna Malone they go in there to investigate what's going on and uh oh they run in the middle of the act and the crime and these two bullies turn into would be murderers and they try to they attack him with knives you and, know what's bizarre Donnie had a handgun on him at that point yeah mm-hmm. he's like my knife's bigger now. I would have been like... A gun to his head. Yeah, probably your tourist judge, and that would have been the end of it, right? Yeah, it would have judged him. Silenced him. <laughs> well, during this whole thing, right, Donnie wrote Grandma Death a note, and he put it in the mailbox. So Donnie has fulfilled the loop and finally gave her the note that she's been looking for. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, during this scuffle they're having outside of the house, one of the bullies tosses Jenna Malone out into the road. Frank comes back from buying the beer, and I actually like this quite a bit. Because Grandma Death is in the middle of the road reading Donnie's letter, Frank swerves out of the way and runs over the mannequin in the road that's supposed to be Jenna Malone, <laughs> runs it over, and she is killed instantaneously. And this is the trigger event that sets Donnie off on his path of, of madness and mayhem. The, the guy who runs over Jenna Malone comes out of his car, and it's Frank. He's in his bunny suit. It's his Halloween costume. Donnie Darko takes his gun and, like, kills him right then and there. Shoots him right through the eye. Yeah, dead to rights. Kills him. Headshot. And it's I think it's cool because had Donnie not written that letter, that girl was symbolin alive, right? Yeah. Because Grandma Death had been standing there reading it. Mm-hmm. I, thought that, I thought that was pretty cool. After that, we go down this insane path of time travel and occult mysticism. I know Martin's a <laughs> sick, twisted <laughs> fan of the occult. I've always been a scholar of the occult. And this, this movie is definitely in my collection. So what happens here, Kevin? You explain it to me. You're a genius. So Donnie picks up his girlfriend's dead body. He does a little weekend at Bernie's. He starts playing around with it. Put <laughs> sunglasses on it. <laughs> Put, puts her in the pool. Yeah, he goes out to the party. Yeah, no they go, one knows. They go out to the Hamptons. Yeah. They party it up. 
he he puts her dead corpse body in the car, <laughs> drives her up to the top of the mountain. He's he's looking out and he sees this. Basically, he sees the sky opening above his house. Like a vortex. It looks almost like a tornado of. Looks like a tornado almost. I it's guess a, it's definitely a soul nado. Oh, Mortal Kombat three. Yeah, that's what was going on. All right. So now is where it gets really weird, right? It's this movie shows you a bunch of images and you're it just kind of leaves you out there to figure out what's happening. So at the same time, Mrs. Darko and Sparkle Motion. S. Darko. They're on their way back from Star Search. They're in the plane. And Donnie rips the engine off of the plane with his mind. Does he do that? Yes. Yes, he does. Causing the jet the jet engine to fall into the, the vortex, right? It falls into the vortex. Right. We then, then just cut back to him in the bedroom. He cuts. See, this is where you have to read the supplementary material to this movie to even understand what's going on. Donnie uses his telekinesis to rip the engine off the plane and send it through that the wormhole back in time. The engine is the artifact. The artifact has to interact with what's called the receiver, the living receiver, which is Donnie. The living receiver has special abilities, uh, superhuman strength, telekinesis, the ability to see into future, and the ability to see things that can happen or are possible to happen. He uses telekinesis at the top of the mountain to go back in his own timeline in that tangent universe and experience all of those possibilities as possible, as, as a dream. Everything that, 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 that happened is part of his ability to see what can happen. That's what the whole movie was. The whole movie was projected into a dream of what would what? happen. What? No, wait. I, I, I thought it was something different. Mm. I thought yeah. that, uh, this is my, this is what I thought happened. I thought be- when the Tangent Universe was created, that the artifact was left over in the Tangent Universe. So there was, there was two of those engines. So there's the engine that crashed into Donnie's house, and then there's the engine that's on the plane somewhere. But there's two of them. So in order to get the Tangent Universe to be completed, and to, to kind of close it, he needed to send that the copy he didn't send one of the jet engines back into the actual universe to close it because if he didn't the tangent universe remained open and wasn't closed it would destroy both universes yeah well from what i read and according to the philosophy of time that that black hole will destroy the original universe will consume it mm-hmm. in some way donnie or the living receiver is tasked with closing it and he lacks the ability for choice so does the manipulated dead and the manipulated living because mm-hmm. donnie is another form of the manipulated living he's also a living receiver. They, which insinuates that everything is being controlled. There is no choice. Everything's predetermined. Yes. I assumed he went back in time. Like, he himself teleported back. But that doesn't make any sense when you think about it. No, because I thought that once the tangent universe closed, everyone in the original universe then goes back goes back to when the tangent universe was created, and they have a very distant memory of what happened. You got it. That's what it is. Like, when he is experiencing all that stuff, the entire movie it actually happens. But using his telekinesis, he's able to go back and experience all of that as a dream in the original moment on October 2nd. When he does that, all of the people that were affected in that tangent universe, the living, the manipulated dead and the manipulated living, experience all those memories. I don't like this interpretation. In if, if you're telling me that the entire movie was a dream. No, no, I'm not. Wasn't. I'm saying it happened. They remember it. They remember it they as a dream. they think it's a dream. Right. Yeah. There was no, no, none of this was no, a dream. Martin's telling me that when in the beginning of the movie, uh, right before the jet engine hit Donnie, 
he has this like vision of what would happen if he didn't if he leaves the room. Yes, and he is seeing. So we are seeing a dream. No, no, no. That happened. He believes it's a dream, and so do all the other people. But it wasn't a dream. The way that the imagery is shown to them, those memories of the possible future or the future that happened, is well, presented th- to them in their sleep, which is why they're waking up in their beds at the end of the movie and are either upset or disturbed. You know, this is all very interesting, but ultimately, I just don't care. So, Donnie, we, we go back to the opening of the movie. Donnie's laying in his bed. He wakes up. He knows that that jet engine's coming because he has the memory of his path that he took in the Tangent Universe, and he decides it's not worth getting up for. He's going to take an engine in the grill. Yeah. In the grill piece. We see the engine crash to his house, and he explodes into a billion pieces. You know that there's a cutscene that shows him getting impaled by a piece of the engine and That's not crushed? Cool. That's pretty cool. Hmm. I don't know well, why you need to see that, but whatever. Well, there you go. So the, the this time around, in this version of the universe or whatever, the jet engine crushes Donnie, he dies, and the timeline goes off in a different direction or whatever. That's like the end of the movie, and then we get to hear Mad World, and the dreams in which I'm dying are the best I ever had. <laughs> whatever the hell that means. Who cares? Okay, that's Donnie Darko. The end. We can debate it for the end, until the end of time, right? Okay. Let's find out what the critics have to say about this movie. Donnie Darko has plenty of problems, but most stem from a young filmmaker overswinging on his first time up to the plate and hitting a deep fly out rather than a home run. Tom McCarthy variety. Shows plenty of promise, but it's somewhat self-involved and won't appeal to audiences who like a straightforward, even if fantastical, narrative. Lauren King, Boston Globe. And finally, if this movie ever figured out what it wanted to be when it grows up, it would be a terrific one. Bob Graham, San Francisco Chronicle. Okay, this movie currently has an 85% on Rod and tomatoes. Is it really that good? Yeah, this is one of my this is one of my favorite movies. I really like it. Even even the first time around watching it, I thought that it was entertaining. Is the acting great in it? I think it's all right. I think Jake Gyllenhaal did a really good job. And but you know there were definitely some moments where a lot of the actors were flat. Was the story good? I don't know if it was good. It was definitely interesting. It kept my attention and it got me involved in the movie. And I think that it was shot well enough that I could appreciate it on that merit. Also, eighty five is I, I mean that's that that's a little high. I think I think maybe. Maybe 70s, high 60s, low 70s is probably adequate for this movie. And I really enjoy the intellectual aspect of it. Um, I would probably give this movie a 4 out of 5. Yeah, for me, this this movie is that good. I give this a 4 out of 5. I'm shocked that the critics were so in favor of this movie, that that number is so high. I, on a technical level, this movie is very competently made. And it, it does shoot for something that the vast majority of movies don't attempt. It's trying to do something completely different, which needs to be applauded. It doesn't completely hit the mark. There's some issues here and there, but there's something to be said for a movie that you can talk about the way this movie engages you as a viewer. I mean, we, we could probably sit here for another two hours and talk about this movie. Joel might kill himself, but Martin and I could. Yeah, I, me, me and Kevin <laughs> could definitely talk about this movie. I think it's really interesting. And it's like no movies that actually do that. So I'm I'm more than happy with this movie. It's, it's really good. Okay, as for me, like I said earlier, I've seen this movie a bunch of times. And while we were watching it this time, it really struck me how much I am sick of this movie. I'm tired of it. I'm bored of it. I don't care. I just don't care. Because I know that it all amounts to nothing. There's all this mystery and all this stuff. And it's meaningless. Just random stuff. But on the one hand, I like the fact that he's trying these weird things. 
things. I really like that about this guy, but I just don't care about this movie. Like, there's all, all this stuff any, that, that's in this with the sparkle motion and all, like Patrick Swayze. It's like, I don't care. I don't care. I don't know, man. It's This movie wears me down. It just wore me down. I'm tired of it. I'm just really tired of it. I don't care anymore. And I'm the audience for it because I like these sort of metaphysical things. I don't know. It's funny because I, I feel as if this has gone down with me over time, as opposed to something like, like knowing, which I would put in the same boat as this, which has gone up for me over time. Oh yeah, Kevin, that's right. This is on the same page as knowing. I'm going to disagree with you on that one. Yeah, all right. Yeah, I'm going to <laughs> really disagree with you on that one. But what was better? This is the box. Yes. I think the box is a more interesting mystery and better use of waterbending too. <laughs> this movie's more engaging. The, yeah, this, the, the, this movie engages me as a viewer way more than the box does. The box is a more- I, I don't even know if that's true. I don't, I don't, I don't know. That's, that's debatable. I'm definitely more engaged in it. I'm, I'm like, not this is an that. engaging movie. Yeah. I don't know about that. I mean, when I'm talking about it, I mean, for myself, I can't talk for anybody else yeah. with being engaging, but it engaged me more. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I've just oversaturated myself. And plus, at the end of the day, we can all agree that the biggest problem with this movie, not enough S. Darko. <laughs> right? <laughs> I didn't get enough S. Darko. <laughs> okay, let's read some listener mail. Mark writes in and says, Your obsession with Dennis Quaid has led me to rewatch some of his gems that I must have deleted from my memory. In particular, Pandorum. I might have suffered myself from that at some point while watching it. I have yet to revisit Great Balls of Fire, but I believe a key scene in Pandorum pretty much shows all of his acting brilliance in 20 seconds and on top <laughs> of it and to top it all without muttering a single word. I was so disappointed when Joel just overlooked that key scene that I decided to go ahead and create the first animated Quaidopolis gif. And he sent me a little animated gif of Dennis Quaid. That's pretty cool. What can I say? The man is worth the weight of his beefcakes in Oscar gold. P.S. Why did you decide to end the option for sponsored episodes? We just had too many yeah, I think to we go have through. Enough. We, have, we, we have a lot. Yeah, I mean, we're booked up through next June. Yeah. <laughs> it's a big commitment. It, right? Yeah. So it might be opened up again in the future. Yeah, in the future. We want to. I want to regain control. Yeah, for... rein things in here. Yeah, exactly. Okay. The that weird chemistry chick writes in and says, "I have to say, I enjoyed the Rocky Horror episode immensely. I love this movie. Although, to be honest, I love musicals in all forms. So, boo to Kevin. I'm glad you all enjoyed the movie at least in part. I know many people who can't get past the opening scene, so I commend you. So, I have some questions for you three. Joel, did you see The Expendables 2? Personally, I thought it was better than the first, but my mother was a big Van Damme fan, so I grew up watching all of his movies and the like. It's funny, though, because she sat through the whole movie and didn't even realize that he was the villain. That's answer your question, no, I did not see Expendables 2, <laughs> and I probably won't see it unless I have to see it for he this kept podcast. begging me, Kevin, let's go see Expendables 2. Let's see if they up the ante with the C4 <laughs> this time around. There's a three-hour scene of placing C4 in that one. <laughs> okay, uh... Uh, Martin, I just listened to the Spawn episode again, and you mentioned how much you enjoyed John Leguizamo. What do you have to say about his gender-bending performance in Tu Wong Fu? Thanks for everything, Julie Newmar. I cannot say enough good things about his performance in Tu Wong Fu, Julie Newmar. I love that movie. Okay. Joel, again, we seem to have watched similar television as a teenager. Since you enjoyed Felicity and Gilmore Girls... (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever seen Roswell or Popular? Okay, uh, let me address this... (laughs) (laughs) Head on. 
I watched Gilmore Girls, but I did not watch Felicity. I just know what it is and what it's about. Sure. And I met and I saw Felicity in person. I was like ten inches away from her one time. Oh yeah. <laughs> what? That's really close. Yeah, you can uh, infer whatever you want from that statement. <laughs> Uh, secondly, as for Roswell and popular, I never watched Roswell. My little sister loved Roswell for whatever reason. I don't know why. Catherine Heigl, I guess. Yeah, she was in it. I don't know. As for popular, oh, did I watch that show? <laughs> I watched that crap. That was the guy who made Nip Tuck's first show, Popular. That show was bad. I only watched it because I thought the main girl was really attractive, Carly Pope, and she hasn't appeared in anything since. I don't even know what this is. I don't yeah, remember this. Yeah, neither do I. You're better off. Don't even bother. Don't even think about it. And whenever I talk about Popular, I always bring up this one episode. I only remember one episode of this stupid show. And by the way, Ken, for those for you don't know, uh, the girl who I thought was attractive, she was the hot loner girl. She was nobody liked her. She had no friends. Yet she was smoking hot. <laughs> But she had no friends. She was the outcast. And the other girl was a blonde girl. She was the mean girl bitch. Everybody wanted to be her or date her or whatever, but she was a bitch. And the two girls hated each other. But then by twist of fate, their two parents married each other and they had to live together <laughs> in the same room. Right? Isn't that recipe for success right there? Yeah. That sounds sure. horrible. Yeah. That sounds terrible. It was bad. It was really bad. But there was one episode I always remember because one of the characters, they had this whole plot line of the one of the girls just hit puberty and her boobs just came in and one of the characters was like I, <laughs> whoa nice boobs yo like some <laughs> insane thing he said to her and that really hurt her feelings <laughs> that, that hurt her feelings it did it did it made her feel really uncomfortable you know what's weird and that's the only episode I remember <laughs> of the show you know what's weird in TV shows when they say a girl's boobs came in like they were shipped to her in the mail and yeah. she had to put them on and just she's like, my boobs just came in. Like overnight, they grew 15 <laughs> cup sizes. It's pretty good. Okay, next up on this email, for all of us, and I promise you, Kevin, I did not write this email. She says, what's your favorite board game? <laughs> there you go. Well, Joel's is, is, is probably apples to apples. Yeah, apples to apples. Perhaps one of these days in a Yes, That Bad After Dark episode, I'll discuss my recent descent into madness. <laughs> When it comes to board games, there's literally 50 board games in a pile over there. That's you, Please attest to this. I'm not joking, right? Yeah, that's no, true. No, they are. There's a, there's a pile of 50 board games over there. W- w- they're what I like to call the Mountain of Madness. <laughs> yeah, the Mountain of Madness. It's just like these mountains of board games stacked up in his apartment over here. Yeah, I recently got into playing board games, so what's my favorite? That's a difficult question. Martin, you answer it. I don't have a favorite board game. You you subject me. Okay. And uh, You're a Monopoly man. I hate Monopoly. Worst game ever made, right? You know, I love getting into trouble. Whoa. Don't wake daddy. Don't. You know what? Pop goes perfection. There you go. Shoots and ladders. My favorite board game. Oh, all right. I think mine's categories. Oh, yeah? Yeah. You know, I think I'm, I might like Mousetrap because it's a crazy action, a crazy contraption, the fun and catching it's Mousetrap. I think I've had the most fun playing categories. Some of the crazy answers. Yeah. Mm, okay. I have no idea what my favorite board game is. I don't know. Interplay? Good. It's pretty good, right? We've only played it a few times, though, so it's hard to slap yeah, I don't every know. game ever on that. I like that. I like backgammon. 
I don't know. It's really tough to figure it out. Perhaps we'll dive deep into this in the SFN After Dark episode. Uh, let's see. Lastly, in honor of the Halloween season, which is my favorite, by the way, what is your favorite horror movie? The horror genre is my favorite, and I have to say I love an Emmerer on Elm Street. What's your favorite horror movie? That's a tough question, because I hate horror movies. They stink. I think you did write in this email. Yeah, because I love horror ha- movies so much? No, because Halloween's your favorite time of year. Yeah. Alien, probably. I mean, it's got it's got all the classic elements of, of a sci-fi horror. I mean, if I'm going to pick a horror movie, it's going to be sci-fi. Um, Alien is just like really well-written. Stir of Echoes? That's Stir like horror good. slash something. Supernatural. Yeah, I like yeah. that. I don't know. I don't pr- think about horror movies. You know, I don't really like Was them. there enough Kevin Bacon in Stir of Echoes? Not enough. Not enough bacon. Does frailty count? Oh, hmm. That's sort of a thriller, right? Yeah. Well, I don't really like it's like horror seven. movies, so I'm going to say frailty. Okay, all right. Pete writes in and says, hey, just curious, what kind of TV do you guys watch your movies on and with what surround sound? I think a good setup can make all the difference in some movies. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to plead the fifth on this one. Yeah. I don't have surround sound, but I have a 42-inch plasma Blu-ray. I have a giant piece of garbage <laughs> that someone gave me that someone Kevin and I know very well. Intimately. Intimately, yeah. I watched Urban Legend on my Kindle Fire laying in my bed okay. on, on YouTube. <laughs> it was the... I, I, I don't know if the quality can get any lower than that. <laughs> you know? I might as well just watch it through through binoculars. I watched it on my iPod Touch. Yeah, I mean... I, 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 just, I just didn't feel like getting out of bed to watch that movie. I was like, there's no way this movie is going to necessitate me getting up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, thanks for those emails, guys. If you want to contact us, you can reach us at yesthatbad at gmail.com. Okay, now it's time for the question of the week. And the question of the week is inspired by Donnie Darko, and that is, what other movies can you think of where you have to actively do outside research in order to understand the movie? Also, how do you feel about this? Is this good? Is it okay? Does it add to the movie? Does it detract it? Head on over to yesthatbad.com. Leave a comment on this episode's page with your answer. Okay, now it's time to announce next week's movie. And next week's movie is Return to Oz, which features a young, nubile actress that Martin and I know very well. Feruza Balk. Can't wait. Yeah, how exciting. Also, don't forget, you can still purchase our recent premium podcast, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull at yeahitsthatbad.bandcamp.com. Please nominate us for the podcast awards and the Stitcher awards. I'm going to put a link to both of these awards on this episode's page. Help us get nominated. This way, we'll be able to get some new listeners. Okay, thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you've heard, please consider subscribing. We have a new episode every Tuesday. Please leave us a positive review on iTunes. Those five-star reviews really do help out the show. Please help spread the word of the show to all your friends by liking us on Facebook, facebook.com slash yeahitsthatbad. You can follow the show on Twitter at yeahitsbad. You can follow Marna at Marna. You can follow Kevin at yeahitskev. And you can listen to the show on all your mobile devices via Stitcher. You can get that at stitcher.com. Once again, thanks for listening to the show. See you next time. I think this is really interesting how they start this movie out, really setting the stage for something that it's not. Oh, like the Looper trailer. Wow, you had to bring that up. What do you say, Kevin? <laughs> sometimes sometimes it's good to surprise people. Look, <laughs> that's your, you're going to complain. That, that's you're going to complain when a trailer gives the movie away, and then you're going to complain when the trailer doesn't tell you what the movie is. I just can't be happy, you know? I just give up <laughs> on movies forever. <laughs> they bring me nothing but pain. Try to do it. <laughs> 
<laughs> Trish, try to do what you told me to do. Divorce yourself from life. Whatever, whatever. <laughs> put an end to it. Whatever. From <laughs> society. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna become a hermit. I'm done. Yeah. The window's right there. Window's open. All right. Jump. Ooh, it's kind of do it, bro. You won't do it. <laughs> <laughs>